kit. One of the Japanese words for this is kintsugi, and that means golden joinery, golden joinery. And it's a Japanese art of repairing broken property with lacquer dusted or mixed with powdered gold. And uh, rather than hiding uh, the brokenness and trying to repair it so it can't be seen, uh, when it's glued back together and mended, the, the cracks are painted uh, or covered in powdered gold. And as a philosophy, it treats breakage and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. So that brokenness isn't, let's pretend it's not happened. Uh, let's cover it over, but let's celebrate the mending of the brokenness, but we can't hide it away, and we shouldn't hide it away. We should celebrate that healing has come into those cracks. And just thinking of, of Jesus, he bears scars on his body, and those scars just didn't magically heal up the day after the resurrection. He bears those scars in the heavenly realms. He was wounded for us, and those scars speak a golden message of life and of love to us, and he still has those scars in his feet and his hands and his side. Next slide, please. And this idea of Kintsugi has inspired Patrick Reagan, and he set up uh, a charity called Kintsugi Hope, and that's one of their slogans, Discovering Treasure in Life's Scars. And uh, he had a bit of a crisis, uh, had major operations, and felt real anxiety and depression. Was thinking, I'm meant to be a leader, really positive guy, leading a youth organization, doing great stuff. And I feel terrible inside. And I've got into a really difficult situation with my health and pressures on my family. And so he's wanted to explore these issues with Christians. And I'd like to encourage you to, to look at what they're doing it's okay to be not okay, but if you're not okay, say you're not okay and ask for help and support and healing. And if you look at our bulletin, you'll find they're doing two sessions, two free training sessions in Peckham in October and November. First one on the issues of perfectionism and shame, and the second one in November on anxiety and depression. And they've got a lot of experience, particularly with youth, and some people are thinking there's a bit of a an anxiety and depression epidemic amongst youth. It's not just youth, it spreads to all generations, but a critical area. Uh, and part of the reason for, for thinking about that was for thinking through Corinthians and thinking we're coming to the end of the book nearly, and this is the last time I'll speak on it. And I feel the book of Corinth, 2 Corinthians is a bit kintsugi. So there's difficulties, there's pressures. Uh, Paul makes himself very vulnerable in the book. Uh, God's used him to go to Corinth and start a church, and some good things have happened. But there's a lot of pressures and struggles in the church. And now, later, that he's moved away from Corinth, people are doubting his leadership, questioning him. He feels people might break away from him or even turn their backs on the gospel. So it's a pressured time. It's a difficult time for him and his relationship with the church. But through this letter, while he's real about the pressures and real about the problems, there's real gold running through. And some of the verses uh, have really spoken to me. So I'd like just to, before we finish up on the theme for this week, 
uh, just look at some of those verses very briefly together. If we could have the next slide, please. And this was from the earlier part of the book, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble. God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble. And as we go through these few verses, maybe one of them will be particularly relevant for you. Receive that comfort that comes from God, and it can come in all of our troubles, not just some of them. And when you've received that comfort, you can be an avenue of comfort to others. The Holy Spirit flows through us to others. God's comfort can come into our lives. And as we share later when we've experienced some healing, the Holy Spirit can minister that comfort to others as well. Second verse, 2 Corinthians one twenty. For all the promises of God in Jesus are yes and amen to the glory of God. I was waiting for an amen. I got one at the back. Should have had more. It's a real encouragement to pray, a real encouragement to pray. You won't necessarily get everything you'd like. That's not the promise. But God supplies all our needs according to his glorious riches. And he fulfills the promises that he's made to us. In 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now God uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume or a beautiful fragrance. And I don't know what you'll feel like. I don't know what you feel like now. I don't know what you feel like tomorrow morning. But when you're in that tube train, you're spreading the fragrance of Jesus around those sweaty bodies. When you're in your workplace, you are spreading the fragrance of Jesus. Whether you realize it or not, that's coming through you. You're bringing that into the atmosphere. Some people won't like it. Not everyone likes the same perfume. Some people won't like it. Some people might attack you. But you are releasing a beautiful fragrance. And that's what God's called us to do. And it's a wonderful thing. Next verse is 2 Corinthians three seventeen and 18. For the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. And we were tasting and celebrating a bit of the work of the Holy Spirit earlier on in our worship, and it was a really precious time, letting those wells rise up, feeling the Spirit come upon us. And the Holy Spirit frees you in worship, frees you in life, can break every chain, and changes us to become more and more like Jesus, which is the whole point of our life and our discipleship, is to become more like him. Another wonderful bit of gold in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I think this is actually a kintsugi verse uh, here in 2 Corinthians, the jars of clay, uh, the cracked pots. We have 
the glorious riches of Jesus is in our lives. Our lives are cracked and broken and healed and repaired and uh, a mix of all sorts of things. It's not the power that comes from us, but in those cracks, the treasure of God shines out to others. Let's do a few more. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Don't become weary of well-doing. You're doing a good thing. You feel a bit worn out, a bit uh, torn down. You think, maybe I'll quit. It's a good thing, but you've run out of steam. Don't get weary of well-doing. God appreciates the work you do. But you will get burnt out unless you be renewed day by day. Make some space. It's easier to, to say. It's a challenge to do. But make some time and space in your life to connect with God whatever way works for you whether it's a walk in the park whether it's praying in tongues whether it's listening to a podcast whether it's quietly reading the scriptures whether it's praying in a corner of a quiet room whatever works for you be renewed day by day so that you can carry on serving without losing heart 2 Corinthians 5 7 we live by faith not by sight what are you walking in faith for and Scott was talking a bit about that what hope have I got we can't see it but we have a real hope in Jesus and that causes us to move forward in confidence because we're walking and living by faith and not by just the sight of the things immediately around us 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And that's written like, like headline news. In Christ, new creation. And that's a wonderful message of the gospel. It's not just becoming more religious. It's not like trying to be a nicer person. It's new creation. Jesus has forgiven us. Jesus has come into our lives. Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit and I'd love it if during the Alpha course we celebrate some new creation in Christ we're born again born from above born anew and that's a wonderful promise and Paul himself experienced that he was going along the Damascus road trying to imprison and kill Christians and he met Jesus and he was a new creation in Christ and that's followed on with 2 Corinthians 6 2 now is the time of God's favor now is the day of salvation God's favor is on you and on your friends and on your work colleagues and on your family members he loves you and today is the day of salvation today people can come to know God and see their lives changed a few more strands of gold and then we'll move on to the last bit and conclude 2 Corinthians 7 1 since we have these promises Dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. And there's that motivation. God's loved us. God's blessed us. He's given us wonderful promises. So let's orientate our lives around him and ask by his grace that we can follow him in purity and holiness. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, the last couple of weeks we looked at the grace of giving. Just as you excel in everything, it's good to be excellent, it's good to strive to be excellent. 
You excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us. See that you also excel in the grace of giving. And that's so important. It's a real spiritual test if we're open and giving of the money that we earn. Then it's a test of where our hearts are and a test of how God is moving in our lives so often. And it's a wonderful grace that God helps us to give. And it achieves things all around the world. Our giving achieves things in London, achieves things in other parts of the world as well. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And that language of poverty and riches is put into the spiritual reality of what Jesus has done for us. And it's on the basis of his love and his sacrifice. And then 2 Corinthians 9, 7, God loves a cheerful giver. And then finally, and this is going forward to to next week, Sam's session, I've got three verses to finish up with. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace, God says, is sufficient for you. There's a wonderful stream of grace flowing through the book of 2 Corinthians. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power, God's power, is made perfect even though we're weak and we feel weak. When I'm weak, then I am strong. And then finally, uh, it's called the grace. There's grace of giving. There's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the grace that's sufficient for us. And then the book finishes up with what we call the grace and let's, let's say it together as we celebrate this Kintsugi golden thread of hope through the book of 2 Corinthians together. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So do take away, maybe one of those verses will be particularly pertinent for you. Do take away some of the gold out of the brokenness in 2 Corinthians. So the final bit's about leaders. And one of the things Paul does in the book is look at his leadership and his struggles in leadership and his concern about false apostles, people coming in and charming the church or deceiving the church and preaching the wrong gospel. And uh, I want to finish up by looking at leaders worth walking with. Leaders worth walking with. Paul's a bit embarrassed talking about his leadership. He doesn't like having to justify his leadership. Uh, These other leaders have come along and uh, they look good. They've got charismatic personalities. They appear successful in life. They're wealthy. They're good orators. And we've taken this message to heart. We've tried to avoid being any of those things at Forest Hill Community Church and uh, when Sam first came along, he looked very flashy, so we removed his clothing allowance, and now he has to wear the kind of things you see him wear. So these guys look good, and they, they were wealthy out of the gospel, and they had charismatic personalities, but they were damaging and dangerous, and Paul had to, to challenge them. And Paul's warning is there are good leaders, and there are bad leaders, And what Paul would say is, come to know Jesus. And when you come to know Jesus, belong somewhere. Join a church community. But also find leaders who are worth walking with. Find leaders who are worth walking with. 
And he warns in this, um, these two chapters about what he, he calls the super apostles, uh, sarcastically. And uh, we haven't got time to read the whole passage. You can read it later if you want. Verse 12 of chapter 10 says this, These are the leaders tell you how important they are. So for leaders out to impress you with how important they are, watch out. I was at a meeting two weeks ago, and uh, it was a book launch for someone that had written uh, a very good book. Uh, he got some other leaders to come and kind of commend it. And uh, this leader came up. I'm not going to name him. And it wasn't his, his gig. He was just coming along to endorse this other guy. And, and he started off by, by name-dropping. Who hates name-dropping? Who, who does name-drop? Yeah, Luke obviously does. I've got a bit of a problem with that, probably because I haven't got any names to drop. But this guy talking about, he was about to talk about this other guy's book, and he said, I had lunch last week with Jeremy Corbyn. And he said, oh, don't worry about my politics. I had lunch the previous week with Theresa May. And then he said, oh, yesterday, Condoleezza Rice rang me up and wanted my advice. So said, would I fly to California and have lunch with her and give her some advice? This all happening just down the road at a meeting here in London. And you just think, it kind of grates. Now, I'm, I'm not one to criticize anyone personally in this message, but um, <laughs> I, haven't named, I haven't named the leader. I haven't named the leader. But uh, watch out for that kind of thing. Watch, don't be impressed by people name-dropping and the people they're rubbing shoulders with. It goes on in verse 12 to say, Paul says, they just compare themselves with each other. They, you know, I can do this. Uh, my, my movement has got 643 congregations. My church has 10,000 members, all this kind of stuff. And the only standard to judge by is the standard of Jesus, who was poor and self-sacrificial and gave his life for us. So watch out for super apostles. And verse 13 to 15, it says that they build on or try and take credit for other people's work. It was Paul's hard work and sacrifice that came to found the church, and these super apostles come in, and they want to take the credit for it and take over the church and get the church to give them all their money. Watch out for that kind of leader. Verses 17 and 18, boasting and self-commendation or self-promotion. And it reads in those verses, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. So watch out for people that are constantly commending and promoting themselves. And then the biggest danger, chapter 11, verse 4, says this, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. This is Paul warning the church. You put up with whatever anyone tells you even if they preach a different Jesus or a different kind of spirit or a different gospel. These people are false apostles. They're deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. And so they look good. They sound good. They're charismatic but they're communicating the wrong gospel. That's really dangerous. So don't, I'm sure none of you will be impressed with any of that stuff. But it's just, it's the warning here. So it's important to, to say it.
And what, what is another name we call Satan is Lucifer. What does that mean? Light bearer, light bearer, angel of light, or the morning star. So some people shine and look good, but watch out. And it, it made me think of televangelists, American TV evangelists. And the next slide, please, Ben. And again, I'm not going to name some of these guys. These are some pictures I found on the web. And uh, that guy there, his eyes are amazing, aren't they? Um, I'm not going to tell you what he's called, um, but he's, he's asking people to pray about, and I want you to take this seriously, pray about becoming a partner in his mission of obtaining a $54 million private jet. Uh, he's already paid cash for three other private planes, but he says God told him, I want you to believe in me for a Falcon Z, uh, 7X, a Falcon 7X. So God wants him to believe in him for that. He's got three other planes, but he just needs $54 million for that one. The three-engine plane would allow the ministry to fly anywhere in the world in one stop, thus reducing fuel costs while maintaining a global reach. And he said, Jesus Christ wouldn't be riding a donkey today. He'd be in an airplane flying all over the world. These guys are out there. They're doing that kind of stuff today. Uh, this interesting-looking gentleman here um, runs something called the Cathedral Buffet. I've got no idea what they I think it serves food as well as trying to uh, serve God. And he's been in, in the papers accused of failing to pray, pay workers' wages or pay them proper wages. So, again, I'm not going to name him. I love this thing here. I don't know if it's a spoof or whatever. GoFundMe.com, TV preachers in need. You got the message, haven't you? You probably won't rub shoulders with those. People are watching guys like that on TV, I think. Probably God channels, whatever. So do watch out. And one thing that's been talked about in recent years is spiritual abuse, where leaders are coercing people, leaders are using their charismatic personality to control and exploit their followers and things going on in secret. And they're into themselves, they're after the money, and they're to be avoided. So a leader worth walking with is someone like Paul. We'll have the next slide, please. And his name before Jesus turned his life around was Saul. And Saul was the name of a king. So he had a kind of kingly name given to him. And then he changed his name to Paul. What does Paul mean? Paul means small, small Paul. So he changed his name from a king's name to someone, the name that means small. And that's the humility compared to Christ. But he had a powerful, personal, life-changing encounter with Jesus. And if you meet someone like that, then there's someone that's worth following. And it's great if people meet Jesus, become more like Jesus, and a leader gives 100% in the process of encouraging people to do that. And that's true of Paul. He wanted people to meet Jesus, to know Jesus, to have the gift of eternal life, to be transformed and to become more like Jesus. And Paul was prepared to give 100% in that process. Chapter 10, verse 1, he speaks to them with gentleness and kindness. Chapter 10, 3 and 6, he's passionate 
about people knowing Jesus. He wants to destroy arguments and obstacles in the way that stops them. Chapter 10, 13 to 16, doesn't claim credit for other people's work, but he's looking to go to regions beyond to pioneer the work of mission. It's good to follow a leader that's not trying to protect his holy huddle, but he wants to go to new people, to new areas, to go to regions beyond, to reach out beyond uh, a holy huddle within the church. Chapter 11, verse 6, he says he's not a skilled speaker, but he's not lacking in knowledge. He's someone that knew scripture thoroughly and put a lot of work into his leadership and his teaching and how to apply that to contemporary culture as a leader worth following does that. 11.20, not in it for the money, not in it to control and manipulate people. And 11.23 to 33, willing to suffer and make sacrifices for the gospel. It talks about the shipwrecks and the beatings and all the things he did. You've got the message and we need to come into land soon. But there are bad leaders, there are showy leaders, there are flashy leaders, and there are good leaders with love and kindness and commitment to God. And let's try and find people to work together with so we're inspired by their lives and we're following good leaders. A guy called Jack Hayford, who's a well-known pastor in California, uh, said this, and it really struck me. He's a guy that uh, wrote songs like Majesty, Worship His Majesty, and he's preached and led a big church. Uh, says this, our goal isn't to build a big church, but to build big people. Our goal isn't to build a big church, but to build big people. Invest in people, develop them as disciples with a heart for mission. And if you do that, you should see a healthy church. And people will quickly know whether you're using them or whether you're building them. And be with leaders that are building people up. And verse 8 in this passage says, Our authority builds you up. It doesn't tear you down. And then the final picture, uh, Paul uh, uses this kind of image in chapter 11 in the first part of it from verse 2. He says this, I'm jealous over you with the jealousy of God. I've betrothed you to Christ to present you as a pure bride to one husband. And he's worried these false teachers are going to disturb that. And the picture is from a Jewish wedding. And in Paul, that, that picture isn't. But uh, in Paul's day, there were two ceremonies. The betrothal ceremony, the engagement or the commitment to get married. And then the nuptial ceremony, which was when the actual kind of wedding ceremony was and the marriage would be consummated. And there was probably a year between the two. And so the betrothal was a significant thing and a real commitment. And you were committed to get married in a year's time. And if you wanted to break that, you'd have to get divorced. It was a very serious commitment, not like uh, an engagement, but more important and serious like that. You're kind of married, but still a virgin. And if you're unfaithful in that year's period, it would be a massive problem and could end in death or divorce. And that's kind of cultural background behind Joseph and Mary and why Joseph was going to divorce Mary. And Paul says, the way I feel with you as a church is like this. You've come to know Jesus. You've come into the bride of Christ. You've made that commitment. And in this time, I want to see you get up the aisle. So Paul's the, the daddy there. I want to see you in your relationship with Christ 
safe and secure in it, growing in faith and love. And I want to get you to that place where you know Christ in eternity, get you through this engagement period and up the aisle till you come to know Jesus and you're the bride of Christ and he comes to rule and reign in his return. And I don't want you to be deceived in that process. I love you so much. I want you to make it there. I don't want you to hear deceptive voices of other leaders they're going to lead you astray like the devil led Adam and Eve astray. And so he's a leader with a real personal heart and commitment to his people. And obviously that can go wrong in some ways, maybe uh, wrong kind of emotional connections, but it's real heart for people's best and for people to know Jesus and to people from going from their initial commitment to being part of God's eternity and no one interrupting that on the way you'd be fighting the deceivers off that aisle carpet and getting the bride of christ that church to the finish line to their place in eternity i've said enough our time's gone but just a few things there and uh, scott and sam will help us close the meeting we've heard about god's work in other parts of the world we've read through those golden stranded kintsugi verses maybe one of them is particularly pertinent for you and we've thought about leaders that are worth walking with and maybe as we close we also need to think about can I grow to be a leader that other people will be worth walking with leaders of someone else but how is God growing